0: This is the Canoe Creek Podcast. Our vision is to help people in our community connect to God, grow in Christ, and go serve others. We are located at 4080 Pine Tree Road, and our Sunday morning service times are 9 o'clock and 1030. Thank you for tuning in. Last few weeks we've been in this series talking about miracles. Had some really good speakers. Ross, our preaching minister, is taking a sabbatical. He does uh, preaching sabbatical every, uh, every year for about a month, four weeks or so. And so uh, last couple of weeks, Joe Harvey, one of our elders, has been speaking. My name is Hunter. I work here at the church. I'm speaking for this week and next week. And then Brian, uh, Brian Davis, one of our elders, is going to uh, finish up. And Ross does this every year uh, just to, to take uh, some time so that he can prepare himself for the year to come. To plan, to listen to what God's saying to him, uh, to, to, to think about the vision and the direction of, of the church. And, and so uh, we're stepping in and, and filling in for him while he's, while he's doing that. So last couple of weeks we've been talking about miracles, and I want to talk to you about something really fun starting off, just kind of get things rolling. I want to talk to you about funerals. When's the last time you were at a funeral? Funerals in the Christian world are kind of ironic, kind of interesting if you think about it. You may have heard this phrase, but in Christianity, for for churches, we we tend to veer away from the word funeral. We, We call it a service, and a lot of times we call it a celebration of life service. It seems kind of ironic, right? Because on one hand, we're celebrating, especially if that, if that person's a Christian. We know where they are. We know they're in a better place. They're no, we know they're in the best place they could possibly be in the arms of Jesus and, and with him. But on the other hand, there's that reality, right? The reality is that someone died. That they're gone. That they're no longer here. We can no longer see them, talk to them, interact with them. And so, this morning, we're going to be talking about a story that involves a group of friends going to a funeral, and that that overwhelming reality sets in and takes over, and it becomes all that they see. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and pull those out. Uh, we're going to be in the book of John, Gospel of John. If you uh, have your uh, smartphone or mobile device, you can pull out the, the YouVersion app, the Bible app. Click on live events. There's some sermon notes and scriptures there you can follow along with. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there should be a Bible in the seat back in front of you. You can uh, pull that out and follow along. And if you don't own a Bible, take that one home. That's yours to keep. We give those away all the time, and we replenish them. Uh, so just take that home. It's for you. But uh, we're going to be in John chapter 11. And in this story... Jesus and his and his disciples are going to the funeral, getting ready to go to the funeral of a very, very close friend named Lazarus. All right, so we're going to be in chapter 11, starting in verse one. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. Have you ever known someone who was sick? Someone who was terminally ill? Have you ever gotten that phone call that completely changed your life, altered the direction and sent you on a completely different path than what you had foreseen? Ever known someone like that? And maybe it wasn't something that was medically wrong with them. Maybe they were spiritually sick. Maybe they were emotionally broken or relationally sick. You ever known someone like that? Chances are throughout this life you're going to experience a phone call like that Or an experience like that. That's what was going on with the disciples. They had just gotten a message that a very dear friend was in trouble. And it changed their life. That's all they could see. Keep reading with me. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped her feet with her hair. So the sisters went, sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love, your very close, dear friend, is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that the Son, the, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days and then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. The rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to wake them up, wake him up. His disciples replied, "Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better." Now Jesus had been talking, speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So he told them plainly, "Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe." But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, "Let us also go." that me, that we may die with him. In this first section, we see several times where Jesus tries to hint to his disciples that there's something bigger going on here, that God has something going on behind the scenes. And even when Jesus tells them plainly, the disciples don't get it. They say, let us go so that we may die with him. Sometimes when we encounter those situations where someone's hurting or there's brokenness, sometimes we can be so just enveloped in that moment. It, it, It takes up every fiber of our being, every thought, every emotion, every action. And like the disciples, we can get so focused on what's going on we forget. We can get so focused on the fact and forget our faith. The disciples were so focused on the fact that Lazarus was sick, had died, and forgot about their faith, forgot about who their Lord was, they'd seen Jesus perform miracles? Why had they forgotten? Did they not believe that Jesus could do what he said he could do? And sometimes the same thing happens to us, right? That reality that someone is broken, someone is gone, someone's dead. That can set in and that's all that we see. But the reality is that God's ability and power and uh, his ability to act are just as much as a reality as what we see. What can consume us. And so my question for you this morning is do you believe in miracles? Have you ever seen something that you couldn't explain or heard a story of someone who was healed or, or, or just heard a story that someone experienced something, some way God provided that you couldn't explain? You guys ever heard a story like that? I believe that God can do anything. I believe in miracles. You, uh, you may have remember that sports call by Al Michaels, Do You Believe in Miracles? It's from the 1980 uh, game between the U.S. hockey team and the, the Soviets and uh, the the U.S. hockey team were the underdogs, and they were. It was a team made up of collegiate amateurs, and the Russian team had been together for just multiple multiple years, made up of professional athletes. They'd won the last six of uh, six of the last seven Winter Olympic games, and they were favored to win this one as well. And if you've seen the Disney uh, version of this story called Miracle, uh, you've seen that speech where Herb Brooks gets up beforehand and says, "You know, this is your night." And he instills belief in those players that God, well, maybe not in the movie God, but that impossible things can happen. That anything was possible. I have the final minute of that game. Check this out. It's a silk. Now Petrov controls. Back to Palomar. Skating in on the left side. Into the American in, 55 seconds, but Mikhailov has the puck. Mikhailov sweeping in, out in front, Backhander goes wide. I think Craig might have got just a piece of it. Mikhailov, back out to Bill Yeletehov. 43 seconds remaining. Morrow, checking into the board, it comes back to center ice. 38, 37 seconds left in the game. Petrov with it, the Americans on top, 4-3. Long shot, Craig able to get a piece of it to sweep it away. 28 seconds. The crowd going insane. Carlomont. Shooting it into the American end again. Morrow is back there. Now Johnson. 19 seconds. Johnson over to Ramsey. Bill off gets checked by Ramsey. McClanahan is there. The puck is still loose. 11 seconds. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow up to Schultz. Five seconds left in the game. Do you over. believe in Marathon? Yes! on their faces. That game's come to be known as the miracle on ice. And you can see it in their faces that they believed that anything was possible and then when it finally happened, the joy, the excitement, the relief that they felt. They believed that anything was possible and as a Christian, I believe in the God of miracles. We sang that song. If you sang it, you know I ask you, do you believe those words that you sang? Because you may be here and you may not believe in miracles but if you don't believe in miracles then you don't believe in scripture because scripture is full of God working now and I believe in miracles and I believe God can do literally anything anything is possible and here's why I believe that because of what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 he says now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine According to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. I believe that God literally can do anything, that I could leave the room and come back in and he could change the paint on the walls. I believe that even though it's Sunday, God could set a Chick-fil-A chicken strip meal with a large Dr. Pepper and a large waffle fry on my desk when I get off preaching the sermon, I don't think he will, but I believe he can if he wants to. Do you have that kind of faith that God could do immeasurably more than all you ask or even imagine? The disciples, Martha and Mary, seemed like they had forgotten who they served, that God, then Jesus, could do anything. Now, a miracle is when God literally steps into our universe. He unzips the air, steps in, and touches us with a healing hand, or he guides us or provides in some way that's not of this world. His, his, his people, his prophets, his disciples, his apostles, were able to do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, we don't see a lot of miracles the same way that we see in Scripture, in the Old Testament, and the New Testament. We don't see that a lot today. But I believe God moves a little bit differently today than he did back then i believe he still does things that can't be explained like healing people and doctors don't know how to explain what happened but i believe a lot of how god moves and works today is through people through nudgings and whisperings of the holy spirit there was one time uh, when i was back in college and i had just got done working out i was at 7-eleven getting a gatorade and i I was all sweaty and just kind of like the You know, there was one lady there in the store who had this expression of worry and concern on her face. I didn't hear everything that she was saying to the cashier, but I heard the phrase, walk home. And I was, as I checked out, I was thinking about that. As I I drove back to my apartment, I I saw my friend Robbie and I said, Robbie, do you want to go with me? I'm going to give a lady a ride. I don't know what compelled Robbie to get in the car with me, but we crammed into my, you know, two-door Mustang, and off we went. We, uh, we were, uh, uh just, we left Bilbeck Boulevard and took a right onto 192. I didn't know where she was. I didn't know which direction she had gone. It was just kind of following and just kind of going, trusting that God would lead me and direct me, and... Sure enough, she she was there walking towards Kissimmee, walking towards Celebration. So I pulled up. There was a driveway maybe 30, 40 yards in front of her. I pulled up, stopped, got out of the car, and I said, ma'am, do you need a ride? Try to be as not creepy as possible. (laughs) Now, if you were a lady in that situation, you'd probably be freaking out. Central Florida, I don't know, you know, just kind of crazy. But not her. Her name was Anita. She walked towards me. All she said was yes. She got in the car. (laughs) I'm trying to be, you know, just transparent. It's like, my name's Hunter. This is my friend Robbie. She asked, you know, why Why'd you come? It's like, well, we came to get you. We came to give you a ride. She was going, this was, you know, bright Kissimmee area. She was going towards Celebration around the Four Corners area. She was planning on walking there. And I looked it up on Google Maps. It would have taken, depending on the route, six to eight hours this happened at 5 o'clock, 5.30, 6 o'clock in the afternoon. You do the math of when she would have gotten home. Walking through that area. It may not seem like a miracle to you, but I'm sure to Anita, that was a miracle. That was God providing in a big way. I'm not saying I'm a miracle worker by any means, because no, I'm not even going to go there. But God works through his people. That's how he provides, by whispers and nudgings. But here's the problem, okay? And we all struggle with this. Sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers or respond and act in the way that we want him to, does he? But I'll tell you, even when he doesn't, that his timing is always perfect. So keep reading with me. Have you ever prayed that prayer? Thought that in your heart? God, if you had answered my prayer the way I'd asked you, this wouldn't have happened. If you had just done what I had asked you to do, this wouldn't have happened. This could all have been prevented. Why didn't you, where were you? Why weren't you here? Why didn't you stop this from happening? But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. He's continuing to drop those hints that something is going on. More than what they can see right in front of them. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Martha, you're not getting it. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe in the god of miracles yes lord she replied i believe that you are the messiah the son of god who has come into the world after she had said this she went back and called her sister mary aside the teacher is here she said and is asking for you when mary heard this she got up quickly and went to him now jesus had not yet entered the village but was still at the place where martha had met him when the jews who had been with mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out they followed her supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Both Mary and Martha said the exact same thing. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied, and Jesus wept. Then they, the Jews said, See how we loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? They didn't get it. They didn't get what Jesus was trying to do, even when Jesus would tell them plainly. Now, God's timing is perfect, but I want to say something really clearly. I want you to hear me and understand this. We're going to have times of suffering and difficulty, and it's not going to always look perfect. But God's timing is perfect, and if you have eyes to see, if you believe, you'll see it. Now, in this story, Jesus was doing something that uh, they didn't understand. In verse seventeen, if you look back, it says, uh, "On his arrival, he had Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days." Jesus waited two days when he heard the message to go. And it was only two miles away. That's like walking down to the corner and back. You could have made that trip in a day. Why did Jesus wait? There was a tradition among the Jews that the the soul lingered after a person's death, lingered around the body for up to three days in hopes of possibly returning. So when Jesus got there and Lazarus had been dead four days Jesus didn't just wait until Lazarus was dead. Jesus waited until Lazarus was good and dead. There was no hope. There was already a bad smell. It was already starting to decay. But Jesus had a reason for it. They couldn't see it quite yet. Sometimes it's difficult to see, but I believe God's timing is perfect. God's timing was perfect in this story because he had something greater in store. Something for everyone's good and for God's glory. Now in my life, I have seen over and over and over again God's timing. Maybe not always in the moment, but looking back on those times, I've seen his timing be perfect. Now I want to share with you an an example that's happened to me over the last year of God's timing. And I wrote it down because there's so many details I didn't want to forget. I didn't want to mess it up. Okay, it has to do with Hannah's pregnancy. Okay, so uh, first of all, we got pregnant in September, okay? And the due date was uh, supposed to be after school ended. She had just gotten a job as teacher, as an elementary school teacher. So that timing just worked out perfectly so she could give birth after school was over. So fast forward nine months. uh, The time came when she was done with school. We registered at the hospital to get ready for the birth. Uh, You know, it was three, four weeks away. We registered at the hospital on a Monday. And Hannah gave birth the next Friday. Perfect timing, right? Uh, Hannah's parents were able to be there. Um, they originally were scheduled to come later, but when they heard that Hannah might be pregnant, they came down and nothing happened. We were waiting. Katie decided to just kind of bake for a little bit longer. And uh, they were get think- the, Hannah's parents were thinking about going home, but then we went to the hospital again. And they stayed the last day. Katie was born that night, so they were able to stay and see Katie being born. Katie was born three weeks early, but just within a couple of days of being considered full term. So she wasn't a preemie, didn't have to do any of the extra NICU stuff. During the pregnancy, okay, during the pregnancy, Hannah had all these different issues like kidney stones and all this different stuff, but she developed gallstones in her gallbladder. And there would be nights where I would literally watch her on on the floor, writhing in pain. She said it was the worst pain she's ever experienced. Worse than a kidney stone and giving birth. And there was nothing I could do but just watch. They would last for 30 minutes, so if I'd taken her to the ER, it'd be done before we got there. I just, that's all I could do was watch. So, fast forward, right? A couple, we try to get, you know, her looked at, but the only thing that they thought they could do was to have the gallbladder removed. and They didn't want to do that until after she delivered, right? So um, after she delivered, we got ready to do um, go and and find a specialist. So Hannah calls a specialist, and they wouldn't be able to see her until July 7th. This is back in June, and Hannah hung up the phone and got really emotional. She said she couldn't wait that long because we couldn't continue to live like this with that pain. And so, um, in the meantime, we ended up doing all these different types of cleanses and flushes with different oils and vinegars and all this stuff because Hannah didn't want to have, uh, have her gallbladder out so we tried all that. Turns out, it was making it worse. We didn't know that. But I believe God was accelerating the process looking back because he knew we couldn't continue to live like that. He wanted us to go ahead and get it out, get it out now. So finally she gave birth, and uh, I took her to the ER uh, one night because an attack lasted for like two hours, and I couldn't do it anymore. I had Katie in one arm, crying unconsolably, colicky, you know, just just not able to be consoled. And my wife laying on the living room floor screaming, you know, how long are you going to wait before you do something? And I know it's the pain talking, but there's a hole in my wall, due to the anger because of how desperate I was and how helpless I felt and at the time God's timing didn't look anywhere near perfect and you may be in that situation right now where you're holding this thing in this one hand there's something else that's going on and you just want to put a hole in the wall because God how could this ever be for your glory and for my good all bladder surgeons, when they're operating on pregnant women, they typically wait four to six weeks after surgery, or after birth to do the surgery. Katie was born on a Friday night in June, and Hannah had her surgery on a Friday night four weeks later. It was the perfect timing. The last thing was this. Hannah had really good insurance through her job at school, She started her job in September, which at the time we didn't realize, but we had gotten pregnant in September. And her insurance ends in August. So her insurance started at just the right time for us to have all the prenatal care that we needed. To see us through the birth of our daughter, who came early, so that Hannah could have surgery early. So that we could still be in the same window for that to be covered by insurance. In the follow-up visits. In the moment, it didn't look like God knew what he was doing. But his timing, looking back, with eyes to see, was perfect. Madeline Lee is a Christian author. She wrote the book called A Wrinkle in Time. And in that series, in one of the books she wrote, she penned this line. Some things have to be believed to be seen. It may be so difficult to understand what God's doing in your life when you're dealing with pain, but if you believe and you have eyes to see, you'll see God everywhere. You'll see him providing little things, little miracles here and there, little things that worked out that you can't explain how they worked out or why. Keep reading with me. Let's look at what he says, what Jesus says. Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor because he's been there for four days. Then Jesus said, check this out. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? If you believe, you'll see the glory of God. So the last question I have for you this morning is the same thing that Jesus said. Take off his grave clothes. Are you still wearing your grave clothes? You may not be the dead person, but not all dead people at funerals are the ones in the caskets. They're sitting next to you. It may be you. And by dead, here's what I mean: you may be so focused on the fact of your situation that you've forgotten your faith. You've forgotten that you could ask the God who does immeasurably more than all you could ask or imagine. So, do you need to take off your grave clothes this morning and restore that faith to boldly ask God for those things? If there's is there a person that has an inoperable, you know, illness? Do you have enough faith, enough boldness for, to ask God to miraculously heal that person? Because I'll admit to you, there have been times in my faith walk where I've prayed for things and I've shifted, shifted my prayer because I didn't think God would do something. Shame on me. Do you have enough boldness to ask God for more than you could ask for, or more than you could even imagine? And here's the thing. If God doesn't answer your prayer the way that you wanted him to, if he doesn't choose to act the way that you wanted him to, that's okay. Because even though Jesus came and, and while he was here, he, he healed sick, that's not why he came. Those were for our benefit and for God's glory to point us to him. The reason why he came was for what he says here in the center of this Verse. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will, will live even though they die. Whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Tim Hawkins is a Christian comedian. And in one of his concerts, he ended the night. In all sincerity, and all seriousness, he said, God didn't come, Jesus didn't come to earth to make sick people well. He came to make dead people alive. God may or may not choose to answer your prayer the way that you want him to. But that's okay. Because God's timing is perfect. Even if you can't see it in the moment, if you have the eyes to see and you believe, you'll see God working in ways that you never thought you could ask for or imagine. So my challenge to you this morning is have enough boldness. If you believe in the God of miracles, have enough boldness to ask him for a miracle. And when he doesn't, if he doesn't answer your prayer the way that you want him to, trust that his timing is perfect, because you can't tell me that his timing isn't perfect. It may be difficult to see, but if you believe, you'll see God moving. Put your hope in the God of miracles. Let's pray together. God, we love you, and we are thankful for everything you've done. Lord, we know that you didn't come here just to perform miracles. You didn't send your son to perform just healings and and all those things. Lord, you sent your son to die for us so that if we believe in you, we will live even though we die. Lord, we know there is sin and brokenness in this world. And we know it's not how you intended it to be. We know that you did not plan for any of your children to suffer. But Lord, we have faith that if we have eyes to see and if we have the faith to believe, we can see you working in and through our lives and through the lives of others. And Lord, even if you provide by taking us home with you, it's still okay. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to remember that this morning. Give us the joy and the hope that comes from believing in your Son. And we pray this all in your name. Amen.